Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $20 on the steel MS-162 or MS-170 chainsaw. Real steel. Offer valid through June 30th, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Just like that, second hour is here. Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. If you're watching live on YouTube, we say thank you. You can join Chad in the chat right now as we broadcast live from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. If you're listening to this great radio partner, we say thank you. Chad, just getting started, we've got Armando Salguero who joins us in 20 minutes uh, with the uh, latest on NFL Week 8. Here we are already, week eight, uh, kicking off tonight with Tampa Bay at Buffalo for Thursday night football. Plenty of other storylines across the league. Uh, A bit later this hour, John Bryce of footballscoop.com. He'll join us to go a layer or two deeper on the Michigan, uh, John Harbaugh, Connor Stallions, sign-stealing investigation and allegations that it goes further than just with Michigan and scouting current regular season opponents and then trying to possibly assist at least that's what's being implied assist with teams that were facing or would be facing possible college football playoff opponents you know it's crazy next week will be november 1st yes and i was thinking about this this morning we got a month left of the college football season NFL is going to go a while longer, but I mean, we essentially have until championship weekend, yeah. about a month. Then it's the most wonderful time of the year with the bowl season. Yes. <laughs> what is it they call it? The feast week? Is that what? Isn't that it? Right? Then doesn't ESPN have, that's like the, but it, no, but that maybe that's Thanksgiving week where they have like all the, the Maui all the, Invitational and all that all going on. for basketball. No, feast week, I think maybe, I don't know. They've got something that's the week between Christmas and New Year's. That's their big bowl. You know, every oh, yeah. day they have three or four games on back to back to back. But I thought they, if they promote the week, it's like actually like seven weeks. You know, yeah, it's continuous. Well, the first bowl game is going to happen every week. Is the, the new Saturday best week. after championship weekend? So yep. it always happens like December eleventh. Then they'll have another one the next weekend. Then they'll really start to so layer them out. Next year, when they expand to twelve teams, w- does that start the f- the following weekend after championship weekend? I believe it does, because the first round would be then. Yeah, it, it's mid December, yeah. so it'd be right after on that. on campus. Yep, that's awesome. That's going to be really cool, and you're going to have some cold, cold weather games with some of these host sites for teams yes. on campus. It's going to have an NFL playoff feel to it. I love the twelve team expanded playoff. But I don't love the fact that here we are. It's great. We're in the thick of football season. Nothing's wrong with that. But November 1st next week, and we've got we got a month left. I mean, the college football regular season, which that'll end for a lot of teams, it'll be it. We'll be Thanksgiving weekend. We're getting close. Yes, we are. Uh, and by the way, uh, Tuesday on Halloween, we'll get the first college football playoff selection committee rankings. And that will be the final time for the four. The, and, there, I, there, there are pros and cons to the four versus 12 for me that I'm realizing. Next year, we won't be having this great debate about who are the four teams right now that you really feel like are going to be there. Who are the top four and what's the ranking in order? Um, next year, it'll be discussing uh, the 
two lost teams that are fighting and clawing to make yeah. their bid to get into the 12-team playoff. Now, I like the fact that a team has two losses and we just don't ignore them. Absolutely. I uh, love that. Um, and I, I love all the process of them going about on campus and having that true tournament that I think eventually expands further. But, Chad, it, it will lose a little bit of the, um, the true like, debate throughout the season for teams that, you know, those top 12 teams that are solely focused on trying to make the top four at the end. It won't be as hard that you won't be as uh, you won't go in as hard on the idea that you in, in mid October you've got to debate the fact that so and so is going to make a run and they're still in the mix for the college football playoff. We thought Alabama was dead uh, yeah. earlier this year, and we wouldn't have been saying that if it was a twelve team playoff. And won't, we won't be saying that next year. And see, I don't see any of that as a bad thing. I think that's it's not all bad, good but it's, because it, I I just get tired with the. Clemson lost in week one. How can they work their way right. back in the college football playoff discussion? Now we just get to talk about the games week to week more. And now it's more about similar who gets to the, the bye. Similar to the NFL a little bit, right? The top Where it's four not, ranked It's not champions. so dire right. that these powerhouse programs, they lose a game like Alabama this year. It's like, oh, Alabama's dead. The Dino-. And now four weeks later, what do we say? Oh, Alabama's back in it. They're going to win the West. They're, they got a chance at the college football playoff. Now here's what's going to be difficult to wrap our heads around a year from now. Tennessee, Kentucky this weekend will be to stay alive for a college football playoff berth for one of those teams with two losses each. Mm-hmm. That's the weird part of it. That's fun, though, yep. right? We're not going to go into the game thinking, all right, these teams have a great shot to be in the top 12, but Tennessee's 21st in the country. It's really the 11. They have two losses, right? If they beat Kentucky, then Missouri would become an elimination game. Now Missouri's right there with one loss. In well, the mix for a playoff that's a spot. Good, that's a good team to men- mention. We, we will be talking more next year about the whoever is next year's version of Missouri and Ole Miss. Yeah. I mean, instead um, of Ole talking. Ole Miss is a great example. Uh, yeah, of bo- both of them in the East and the West, and that goes away too. So, uh, yeah, I mean. I, and I just think all that's good. The attention transfers to the next tier instead of the top four or five that we, talk, we have discussed and talked about, you know, uh, at the bar or on the show every single day of the college football season for the last, what, decade plus. Yeah, I think the the college football, and I love the sport, but the only issue they have right now, especially with the four-team playoff, is it becomes these two completely opposite groups of teams yes. that are discussed throughout the year. And that is the nine or ten that are in the top four range throughout the year that could win a conference championship – They'll be discussed all year until they lose two games. Then they stop talking about them. Mixed no with the um, Arkansas, Michigan States, where you're talking about, is this guy going to get fired? Texas A&M, are they going to keep their job? Who's next there? And everybody in the middle that, by the way, features a ton of really good teams, right? Yeah. That's going to be three, four, this year. maybe five lost teams. They're still playing impactful games for them, but it's not ever impactful nationally. And they get lost in the shuffle. But now all of a sudden, a Missouri, an Ole Miss you brought up, a a Tennessee-Kentucky with only two losses would still be in a 12-team fight right now in late October. You look around college football, there's plenty of other. uh, Penn State, who has the one loss. You're not writing them off as, well, here they go again. They're behind Michigan and Ohio State. You're thinking, even if they lose one more, are they still in the top 12? Well, I mean, so that's this year's example. That's what makes it fun. Uh, if they don't lose to Stanford, Colorado's five and two. Yeah, they're in the mix. Yeah, 
which is crazy to think about. Nicole Arbach. They, they do lose to Stanford. Nicole Arbach of The Athletic uh, just posted, uh, NCAA's investigators have interviewed members of the Michigan football staff today. A source confirmed. So Trey Wallace had mentioned that, but there's and the Harbaugh confirmation that they statement. are interviewed. They're not just on campus. Today they are interviewing staff members. Harbaugh mentioned in his statement, correct me if I'm wrong, about cooperating. He said we're going to fully, fully cooperate. cooperate, which is, uh, you know, certainly the opposite of saying that he didn't recall on certain recruiting visits and pointing to a hamburger. Well, I think that if he's fully cooperating, he's not going to go down the same path of being intentionally no, but um, uh, vague or yeah. not giving clear Amnesia. answers. I think, Hutton, the clear answer is going to be either not to my knowledge or I, I've never heard anything about it. Well, but here's the thing with the way the rules work now. That doesn't matter. The NCAA has rewritten enforcement where he has to know. If it's someone on his staff, even if he's claiming ignorance, that's not going to matter for Jim Harbaugh or Michigan's football program. So even if the directive was, hey, if you're doing all this, I don't want to know about it type thing, that's the old NCAA. That's not going to fly. I think with the current setup. Now, maybe, I don't know, maybe it helps this contract, however it's worded with Michigan, if they end up facing something bad that he doesn't get fired with cause, if he claims ignorance and doesn't know about it. I, I don't know. Yeah, and the other thing, too, is, I mean, the full cooperation, as he says in his statement, I also look to that as he's pretty confident they're not going to connect it to him. Yeah. To the big extent. You know, what is it, a failure to... Um, when you, have, when you have the coach that doesn't know anything, but it happened under his watch, the violation there that ends up being a, a failure possible. to monitor. Yeah, is that what it is? Failure to monitor from yeah. uh, from the head coach. But also, I, I, the more I look into this story, the more I think they shouldn't have said anything. Even a we're going to cooperate fully, nothing. Well, in I a mean, way, if you're Michigan, could you just turn away the NCAA until after the season? Well, and just say, hey, we're in the middle of a season here. You know, we'll look into it internally, but we're not going to let NCAA investigators on campus right now. We're not going to stop our work to do these interviews because think of that level of distraction mixed with if all of this is true, the level of lying you'd have to do or just no comments to the NCAA investigators where you know what's coming eventually, depending on what evidence they already have. I mean, I, I know Clay said it yesterday. I, I honestly kind of think their best tact would just have been, you know, screw off right now. We're going to play out this season. Then you can come back later and say we have to vacate it or whatever. But we're trying to win a national title this year. So well, we're going to continue going about our business. There's also a, an allotted time for an appeals process, too. Yeah. Where they don't have to implement any said discipline or, or suspension or penalty until the board of in, uh, infractions uh, at the appeals level would hear their case. That, I don't think you can expedite that, Chad. So I, as fast as things may be going, it's difficult to say that it's going to, it's going to affect anything on the field this season for the Wolverines. A friend of mine uh, listening right now on one of our radio affiliates says, it's Capital One Bowl Week is what I was oh, looking there you for. Go. Feast Week, as Davey alerted us to, is the men's and women's college basketball starting 11-24. On ESPN. The most wonderful time of the year, Chad. A hey, great job by ESPN. It, just burning that into my brain, by the way, the, the feast week thing during the uh, holiday season. Tough to start thinking about hoops right now. Real tough. <laughs> tough.
tough. Uh, real tough to look at. I'm seeing all these. Uh, our guy, John Fanta, who we've had on the show a bunch. He's yeah. got like a preseason Big East, uh, you know, the top Big East teams and top Big East players. I love Fanta. Here's my top 20. And he's like, you're not going to like it. And I'm thinking, I don't even know what to – I don't know who's on these teams. I just saw that Armando Baycott is back for North Carolina, yeah. and I'm like, is he a doctor? I feel like the guy's been there. Did he play with Vince Carter at North Carolina? How long is our uh, – we've been talking about Armando Baycott turning pro for five years now, and he's back. He's back. Who knew? That's my – that is my college basketball. Every day, Hutton, I'll bring a college basketball nugget of the day that I found on social media. Yes. That's today's. Armando Baycott, back, back. for North Carolina. Now you know. Chad, a Michigan State University hearing officer has determined that uh, former football coach Mel Tucker sexually harassed Brenda Tracy. Um, and uh, the hearing officer ruled that Tucker was in violation of several terms of his contract. And the person who uh, sent this to the Associated Press uh, said it Tucker was fired nearly a month ago, can, uh, has 10 days to file an appeal. He did not go to the hearing. And part of this includes the fact that he, did, he, he didn't attend the hearing or present anything to show that what uh, the, the phone sex was consensual. And it goes on to mention the fact that uh, also not in his favor is the fact that he didn't contact Tracy for three months following said phone call, as well as other things that was a very wide open, open-ended uh, term and language throughout his contract that Michigan State's pointing back to for cause in removing Tucker as head coach. And they, they, they don't mention the text exchanges from Tucker's attorney and what is alleged to be sent from Tracy and all this to not just Tucker, but uh, friends of hers. It's, well, and Michigan State's sort of in a tough spot because they, oh, I think they overreacted. I think it was a knee-jerk reaction. And they, I believe they found a way to try to get rid of a coach for free. That's it. That they overpromised too much money to. And they said, this is a slam dunk. We can do it. And then when you start to peel back the onion, you realize not so much a slam dunk based on what this woman was saying and doing with friends and based on the nature of their what appears to be consensual relationship, at least at some point in time, between Tucker and, and Brenda Tracy. So the university makes this rash decision and then the, if there was ever going to be a defense for mel tucker once they've made that rash decision well he's not going to cooperate with them so he could present them information that would get his job back but now he no longer wants the job he wants his buyout because they've done this to him so what are his attorneys going to do they're going to hide everything and they're going to sue the university to get that money back so all the information they've gathered and will gather will be in that lawsuit. So now the university is sitting there with one side of the story from Brenda Tracy, and so obviously they're going to reach the conclusion, well, this guy didn't defend himself. We've got no other information, so we have nothing to do here but take her at her word and say that it was sexual harassment. Yeah, and they say the reasoning for Tucker canceling Tracy's speaking engagement at Michigan State did not hold water, and went on to say that um, after uh, Tucker decided not to have Tracy appear on campus again, uh, she had told Tucker that she was not interested in a sexual relationship, and the investigator found that this was an unreasonable reason for her to provide services as a vendor, quote-unquote. And he's, uh, Tucker's already said through his attorney that he planned to sue for the remainder of his contract, the $80 million. 
Yeah. So this this isn't going away, even though the I don't think he's getting all of it, Hutton, but I think he's getting a big chunk. He's getting of something. It. Yeah, they're going to get something. They're not getting away with nothing, but I also don't think he's going to get all of it for some of these reasons we've mentioned. Well, the court of public opinion, you know, ruled uh, one way, and then you see the the evidence that his side is presenting with text messages that uh, apparently Brenda Tracy sent, and you know, you're back in like, well, maybe this is just you know a, a money grab. Because they, she hints at that, talking about his contract and some of the conversations she was having. It never fully added up no. with the first story. And then we get more information that doesn't paint Tracy in the best light and all this either. And then it just always goes back to me to the moment I read this headline, I thought, there it is. There's the out. There's a struggling coach. That's making $95 million in a contract, and, and this is Michigan State's way to get out of that. And there's language in there that says it, putting the university in a bad light. Yep. Right? Very vague. On I purpose. Mean, yeah, absolutely. Coming up, Armando Salguero. The latest across the NFL. Quarterback possibilities for playing this weekend and trade deadline a week away. Next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Sixth and Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine, located right here from our Outkick Studios. Glad you're with us for Hot My With Hutton and Withrow. Across the Outkick Network, check out the five spots. I mean, guest after guest, marquee NFL coaches. Incredible. Five spot with Donovan McNabb. Peter, they're on with Armando a guest. Armando Salguero, Man. who joins us right now. Armando, always great to have you on. Hope you're having a great week. I'm having a great week. It just got better. Oh, same so, here. So nice of you, Armando. Same here. Thank you. Uh, check out Armando's Look forward to these visits every week. At outkick.com. Um, we, we've been discussing a lot about Michigan and the sign stealing and everything. Uh, it's not quite Spygate, is it? Well, um, there's how, not. How, how do you view I, Spygate today, I guess? Well, it, I mean, that was a Super Bowl. <laughs> Sure. So, so it, that's where, and this could be a championship. You know, yeah, that's yeah. a pretty big stage, right? And so, 
um, that's where that came to to fruition. And, and you know the the Patriots taping the St. Louis Rams, and then uh, yeah. <laughs> you know sort of evidence coming out of you know assistants talking to Belichick about what to expect in the coming game and whether we we knew anything or not. But ultimately, I'll have you recall that the Boston Herald had to walk back that story. So um, I don't know. Uh, here's here's it, how I'd like to ask you to Armando on this Harbaugh story. Does this hurt him at all with his desire to get back in the NFL with an NFL owner, this whole story? I, it doesn't, does it? Nope. <laughs> uh, look, NFL owners care about maybe three things. Thing number one they care about, did you hit a woman? Thing number two that they care about, how much do you want? Thing number three they care about is, how are you going to help me make money and win? Right? Um does this apply to any of those three? No. Nope. Nope. Okay. It does not. All right. So uh, that's, that's, you know, if it's not legally, uh, it, it doesn't bring legal ramifications. If it doesn't affect the chance to win in the future. And if it, I'm sure it's not going to affect his, the money that Jim Harbaugh would ask of an NFL team, um, you know, I don't know that it has huge NFL uh, consequences. Now, uh, if, if something more comes out, if more information comes out and there's more skullduggery and, and, you know, it gets all sorts of uh, in the weeds of, of other people being involved and, yeah, I mean, it could have a fringe effect, but mostly no. Armando Salguero with us. Uh, Deshaun Watson misses another game this upcoming weekend for the the, the Cleveland Browns. Um, and he was directly asked about whether or not he actually wants to play, given the time that he's missed, uh, even though he came back and played to start the game last week in Indianapolis. And uh, his quote, uh, I see all the narratives, this and that. I'm fine. I'm happy. I'm not happy with the injury. But why would I do that? None of those national people know me. They don't talk to me. All that is speculation. It ain't coming from me. Then all that other bleep is bull, you know what. Um, are they going to end up putting him on IR? I don't believe that they are. Okay. Uh, you know, IR puts him out for four weeks, and I don't think that this is a four-week injury. Typically what happens is teams – put people on IR when it's going to be for sure four weeks or more. And that's originally, this was supposed to be a four to six week injury. He came back in week four. Uh, apparently now they're, they're resting on the idea that he probably needed five or six. Uh, so uh, there is that. What I would say to you relative to the, does Deshaun Watson want to play? Of course he wants to play. He needs to change the subject. And the subject so far has been, Deshaun, you kind of suck, brother. It's You're kind of stealing their money. He is going to make $91.4 million by the end of this season. 
and that's in two years. He's thrown 11 touchdown passes <laughs> and eight interceptions. So does Deshaun Watson want to have a career where he's happy with a lot of money, but his reputation as an NFL player is trash? I don't think that's where his mind is at. It was, you can argue it was already trashed by the whole massage issue and, and the, you know, the sexual harassment and even sexual abuse issue. He has been working to rid himself of that reputation. The last thing that this guy wants to do is heap another you suck kind of reputation on yourself by looking like a quitter or some guy that's not trying hard enough. What's going on with the Bills? They can't rely on what they've done best offensively and putting points on the board. And tonight, they will host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers that, for whatever reason, can't win at home but have won some games on the road. And Baker Mayfield's playing and Josh Allen's playing, but it, I mean, it doesn't seem like you can just rely on Josh Allen to go out and win games when the Bills are in a tight one. I think we've talked about this in the past and the brain drain that has happened in the Buffalo building, I think is something that cannot be underestimated. You know, if you want to go back to the 2020, is it 2021 season, the 2022, January, 2022 playoffs where Josh Allen threw nine touchdown passes in two games without an interception, threw for over 600 yards, and the Bills got eliminated basically because uh, the Kansas City Chiefs had 13 seconds remaining and they turned it into magic. And that's the reason that the Bills were eliminated, not because Josh Allen hadn't put them on his shoulder and carried them. That moment, Josh Allen looked like he was on the verge of not just superstardom but like all-timer type stuff because it looked like nothing worked against him he could not be stopped he had figured it out and there was no defense against that fast forward a couple of weeks and Brian Dayball is gone to the New York Giants he took the quarterback coach the general manager left the uh, assistant general manager left it, it's like a lot of stuff left the Buffalo Bills building that affected Josh Allen. And I think we're seeing the ramifications of that. Allen is, a, is an inconsistent guy the last two years. He's been among the NFL leaders in interceptions. Still great, still supremely talented, but something is off. And it's up here, and he doesn't have the guy to tell him, hey, stop thinking like this. Think like that instead. Let me do the worrying about where your head needs to be at. I'll, if I want your head to be somewhere, I'll put it there. Now what you have is Josh Allen wondering, where should I have my head? And that's a bad place to be as a quarterback. Armando, has the fire cell started in Nashville with the Titans, with the Kevin Byer trade to the Eagles? Do you foresee other moves before the trade deadline? Maybe Derrick Henry, uh, maybe DeAndre Hopkins. Do you think this is the start of the full reset now for the Titans? They aren't denying that 
there's going to be a fire sale. They're not denying that. They're not. There's no one that has said Derrick Henry will be here. Right. That's right. Yep. And the reason that no one has said Derrick Henry will be here <laughs> is because there's a possibility Derrick Henry won't be there. Uh, typically, teams hate distractions, hate narratives outside the locker room that could affect the the thinking within the locker room, and that is definitely one of them now that Kevin Byard is gone because that was a good player a former pro bowler, a former all pro, a team leader, one of the brothers, okay, in the brotherhood. When you lose that, when you trade that, um other guys are looking around going, if they could trade that guy, could they trade this guy being me? And so anyone that is that is saying that absolutely not, it's not happening the rest of the way with Tennessee. Uh, I haven't heard that from Tennessee. Same. Uh, Armando, interesting matchup on the West Coast. San Francisco coming off two straight losses. Sam Darnold, the likely starter with Brock Purdy and concussion protocol. And they're hosting the Cincinnati Bengals that are trying to pick up the pace after a slow start with a banged up QB. Uh, it's uh, certainly not a, an AFC versus AFC or NFC versus NFC uh, opponent here, but... It is kind of a, a gauge to see where both clubs are around the midway point of the season. So a couple of things. Uh, Brock Purdy is actually pushing to play. Uh, he practiced today. Wow. Which is, which is with a concussion. So he's out on the practice field, as a matter of fact, as we speak. And that is quite interesting because I was talking to uh, Dr. Dr. Chow, who everybody on social media knows as pro football doc, he is going to start a weekly um, injury column on OutKick, and it will premiere, it will debut tomorrow, uh, tomorrow morning. And I'm writing it. I've already written it. It's done. And I can give you a preview of it in that the doc doesn't believe that Brock Purdy should play this week. And he doesn't believe that he will. So the fact that Brock Purdy on the one hand is practicing and on the other hand, you know, is in the concussion protocol and uh, pro football doc is saying that's a no, no, don't, don't play this week. That's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out. Um, and it's a short a week, by the way, short week for yeah, the 49ers. Exactly. So how is this? First of all, it's very strange. It was, not during the game. He wasn't taken out during the game. It wasn't reported during the game. The independent expert didn't buzz down and go, the spotter didn't say that guy. But after the game, uh, latent concussion symptoms are not good. <laughs> That's a classic sign of you're not playing next week, young man. And yet, like I said, he's practicing today. Are you buying into the phrase, don't look now, but here come the Minnesota Vikings to the playoffs? No. <laughs> uh, you guys do this to me hey. every year. 
Well, we did it with Detroit last year, and you're on the board yes. of Detroit this year. <laughs> yeah, we're, but you're we're on board slowly this year. turning you back to the Vikings, Armando. See how our, our Jedi just, mind tricks work on you? They, if we say Vikings enough, eventually you'll be a believer in Kirk Armando, Cousins. Armando, they have the longest winning streak in the NFC currently at two games. Give them some credit. <laughs> okay, I don't think it's the Jedi mind trick. I believe, I believe you're trying to get me with the banana in the tailpipe <laughs> trick. Uh, that's the one that I see here, and I refuse to, you know, grab the banana. Uh, I'm not going to do that. Be- Look, Kirk Cousins, I talked about this with Donovan McNabb, who knows a little something about oh, yes. quarterback play on the five spot, and Donovan McNabb thinks that Kirk Cousins is a top 10 quarterback, and his stats actually suggest he's a top five quarterback right but then you see him play and there are two or three or sometimes on a bad day four throws that you just look at during the game and go oh no 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 that's not that's not good that's bad uh and that's the reason that nobody says he's elite if he makes two of those throws he's elite um look uh, I'm sorry. The the Lions are the team in that division right now. I know they lost to the Ravens. Um, I just think the Vikings had a great run last year where they lost. They won like 11 games or 12 uh, one-score games. That's not likely to happen. There's a thing called regression to mean, and that we're seeing going it. To a- yeah, you're you're that's applying to the Vikings. Armando Salguero, always great work at outkick.com, uh, senior reporter and writer for the NFL. Armando, great to have you back on, man. Have a great rest of the week and uh, enjoy Thursday night football tonight. Thank you, gentlemen. Be well. We will be checking Highlight out the five of the week, spot. Armando. Every week. Check out the five spot us. with uh, Donovan McNabb and Armando Salguero. One NFC North team at a time for Armando. We pulled him into the Lions. We're going to slowly pull them in for the Vikings also. It will happen. may take some time, but it's going to happen. John Bryce of footballscoop.com is about to join us with the latest and trying to untangle the details of how Michigan and sign stealing could link up to other programs that won big at the end of last season. That's next on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Sixth and Peabody are location with Yeehaw Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. Hot mic with Hutton and Withrow rolls on across the Outkick Network. Chad, it's, uh, it's pretty clear uh, in the NCAA rulebook for college football, you're not supposed to uh, scout off campus, off site, yeah, uh, yeah, off site, and uh, and do so with a recording device like a phone or anything. Quite frankly, the what gets me on the Michigan story with all the sign stealing and Connor Stallions. 
is the amount of planning and direct detail that went into doing exactly that. Intelligence, as he lists in his bio. The intelligence it took. But not even trying to hide it. No. Not not even trying to... Brazen. Due to showing up in Michigan gear and doing this. As an employee. Yeah. And the... I mean, people were spotting them. He was sending Venmos under his name, receiving them. He was buying tickets under his own name. He's a listed member of the uh, Michigan football staff on their website. Yes. There were really no... (laughs) There was no effort to truly hide this from anyone. Well, that, on top of it is uh, John Bryce, footballscoop.com, uh, with uh, plenty of detail that has been added from him. There's uh, Washington Post, SI, and, and much more with, with reporting that's gone on, either digging up video or just uh, the, uh, the alleged damning evidence that continues to surface uh, what seems like every other hour. Uh, just about. John Bryce joins us from Football Scoop. John, great to see you, man. Hope things are well. Yeah, always good to uh, visit with you guys. I guess I've known you about 15 or so years now, which yeah, means uh, we're old or we're somehow surviving. So uh, Both. I think we're, we're <laughs> old and we're also somehow still alive. So that's good news for all of us, for sure. John, yeah, for sure. how many layers are there to this already? It goes beyond just Connor Stallion's what have you uh, found out and, and what have you been told behind the scenes that you've reported on at footballscoop.com in, in regards to possible other programs using this, uh, this intel, this intelligence? Yeah, I think the, the number one key, is, and you guys just alluded to it, is, is the depth of this, the, the specter of just how far reaching it has been and the fact that, that I don't believe it's isolated to people who are still currently just on the University of Michigan staff, not based on phone calls I've had today from people in the ACC, people in the Big Ten. This thing continues to, to see its tentacles reach deeper and deeper. Um, for, for me, from my standpoint, obviously the story was unfolding Last weekend, Monday, as I was traveling cross country, I got a message uh, actually from somebody there in Nashville who has no affiliation with any program and just said, Bryce, you need to check on Stallions buying tickets to Tennessee, Kentucky. And um, so I alerted um, my boss at Football Scoop. We worked together as a team to try and continue to working on that. Um, He had already been talking to some people around the sport, particularly in in the Big Ten footprint. And very soon after that, it came out that the Michigan and we referred to this on our Tuesday Football Scoop podcast, that Michigan was not only scouting its Big Ten opponents, it was scouting potential opponents um, as it pertained to the CFP. And particularly within that, it was scouting both Tennessee and the University of Georgia. You know, I think the initial response to this, uh, Bryce, was kind of a, oh, you know, if you're not cheating, you're, you're not trying. Everybody tries to steal signs. Not, not a big deal. Then as it started to unfold, people took it more seriously. You talk to a lot of people in college football. What has been the consensus with the reaction to it? Are other coaches angry? Are they not as upset about it? Do they think this is way above and beyond what normally goes on? What has been the response? Yeah, so so from, from an on-record standpoint, I would point specifically, and I wrote about this yesterday, Bob Stoops' comments on an Oklahoma radio show uh, saying he'd never heard or seen anything like this in his entire career and talked about how it could not happen, how outrageous it was how um, wrong it was. I would also point to to Matt Rule's comments earlier this week, the Nebraska coach on the record for what he said about it, very strong as well. And then um, on the flip side of that is um, 
let's say, at 408 today, I had an SEC coach, assistant coach reach out to me and we had a quick conversation. And he said, um, he goes, Bryce, listen, dog, like everybody cheats for players. Everybody cheats to try and steal signs, but we don't cheat the game. And I think that's the biggest thing that to me was was the best phrase I've heard for it. We don't cheat the game. You don't cheat the game. And coaches that I've talked to um, very adamantly talk about this being cheating the game. If everything that's alleged, um, even half of it is proved true, then the overwhelming consensus from every coach I've spoken to is that it's cheating the game. And I think, frankly, that's what has so many coaches pissed off, is that they feel like it's cheating the game. It's not standing on second base and trying to figure out what the catcher uh, is signaling in to help the batter at the plate. It's so much more advanced than that. You called it, um, you know, almost spying or coordinated effort. It's really like a, a covert operation, in my opinion. And uh, yet they have been brazen and not making it covert. Let's get in your right about being brazen and not covering anything up, which leads to a pretty big electronic paper trail in all of this. Let's get to the source of this investigation, the report about the law firm that has the information that was on the Michigan football computers in all of this. There's obviously someone behind the investigation with the law firm that's looking into this. Have you learned anything about that? Is it, is it reasonable to believe that this also ties back to the investigation that ended with Matt Weiss getting fired at Michigan as quarterbacks coach? There is reason to believe it very much could. I have not been definitively told that, um, but very clearly this third-party firm has gained access um, to Michigan hard drives and, and nobody is quite, or cloud servers, and nobody's quite sure exactly how that access was obtained. So um, there is that possibility. I've been asked that question by coaches today. Does it um, particularly re reflect directly to the Weiss situation? I don't know that for sure, but that is certainly very much a question that's being posed out there. John, how much how much was Michigan spending on this endeavor? That was clearly successful in many ways based on uh, what we've seen or, or heard or results on the field last year. You know, thousands and thousands of dollars. And uh, I would point to and give credit to, to the VolQuest message board. Uh, obviously, that's a that's a former stop of mine, but not just VolQuest. Um, a friend of mine who covers the University of Notre Dame sent me a message board post from Irish Sports Daily maybe three weeks ago that said, JB, you need to check into this. And it was a guy on a Notre Dame message board saying his buddy was being paid by Michigan to go scout, I think, a Rutgers game and, and to film signals and, and do all this stuff and provide basically a, a scouting report for Rutgers. Um, and again, the illegal component of it is the advanced scouting, the filming of it, the doing so in person. I can't stress enough how many coaches this week have told me, listen, dude, we all try to steal signals every single Saturday. And I've personally known people um, there in the SEC uh, who have been responsible on game days for trying to steal signals. I still know people around college football who on Saturdays, their role on the sideline is trying to steal signals. Again, coaches believe that's gamemanship. That's part of it. Marcus Freeman said today, the Notre Dame head coach, and I thought this was a great comment. He said, look, we go into every game and we just assume that they have our signals. And so we self-scout and try to respond according to that. I just think this is so much different. And they've been, again, once flaunting it, flagrant with it, and they've spent a lot of money to do so uh, according to all the, the records. In talking to people around college football and, and people you discuss stories with, what's been the consensus on the South Carolina piece of this? Um, it could be obviously just a crazy coincidence, but 
You've got Shane Beamer, who's been involved in something like this before, back in 2014 when he was at Virginia Tech. You've got a team that looked bad all season before the Tennessee and Clemson game, and they've looked pretty bad since. Those two performances, you've got wristbands for the first time on the season when they played uh, Tennessee defensively. There's a lot of little things going into this that doesn't take a genius to connect the dots and start to speculate some. Has there been speculation or any accusations being made from those you've talked to across the sport in regards specifically to South Carolina, who did play two teams that we now know Michigan was scouting as a potential college football playoff opponent? There certainly have been those accusations. I've heard it from from multiple uh, unconnected people to one another uh, and not people with the University of Tennessee, which I think is very interesting in and of itself. The other thing I would point out that has been stressed to me in all of this is not just that Michigan wasn't just scouting or attempting to to gain uh, illicit sign-stealing information for its Big Ten opponents and potential opponents in the CFP. It was also worried about jockeying for position in the CFP, particularly after Tennessee beat the University of Alabama. The people that I've talked to this week said at that point in time, Michigan, um, that this sort of changed from Michigan's standpoint, allegedly, and that's when they started to take Tennessee much more seriously. And that's, again, why I got the text earlier this week saying, check into Connor Stallions, potentially buying tickets for that Tennessee-Kentucky game. Are you surprised that teams don't change signs and signals more often? Um, you know, it's really hard. Um, again, Matt Rule making the point, like, I don't know why coaches vote against headset communication because it would eliminate a lot of this. And yeah. and they have, I think that I definitely think that's going to change. And we can touch on that in a second. Uh, I am surprised, but also again, uh, guys, let's remember there's supposed to be a 20 hour rule, whether it's fo- followed or not, but there's still only so much information that the student athletes can log on any given week. And also you've got at times four different people or more on the sidelines who are doing signals. So but if your guy forgets who's the live signaler and looks at the wrong guy, it, it, Freeman's direct quote was, it can be catastrophic consequences for your team. And so I think it's not just as easy as changing the signals, uh, again, because it is so involved and so elaborate. Marcus Freeman said they change them about twice a year. Okay. And I wonder if TCU did it right before they played Michigan. Well, do you have any yeah. evidence or have you heard that they even scouted TCU that Michigan did at any point? No. Nope. It was indicated to me this afternoon that it was not believed that they did scout TCU. So um, I have not confirmed that one way or the other, but it was just in a phone call this afternoon. Uh, someone said, well, I guess they scouted uh, Tennessee and Georgia, um, but didn't bother to scout TCU, and it ended up biting them in the butt. Yeah. Was, that's a direct quote. And, that, so. and that's a team and a program that was a top – the, the rankings throughout the season, Chad. That, that's what's so surprising. Well, and just to clarify, because you said that the more people you talk to, the accusation is it wasn't just about scouting potential opponents. It was about jockeying for position for the college football playoff. Um, that's pretty damning, considering now you're talking about espionage to help other teams knock teams off that are in front of you, uh, possibly. Is that the belief from some coaches you've talked to across the country? Yes, Michigan was very concerned, uh, according to people who have reached out to me, and we'll see how much this can be clarified, but according to people who reached out to me, Michigan was very concerned with who it could potentially be jockeying with or fighting for a playoff berth with. In case they, yeah, for the, the second potential team of the Big Ten, who know, you know, it, trying to come up with all those scenarios there. Yeah, would it be a second SEC team? Would it be a second Big Ten team? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, 
John, uh, great stuff, man. Thanks for uh, working us in on your schedule, short notice, and uh, let's catch up soon. Yeah, let's do it, guys. You're long-time pros. I appreciate the opportunity. Take care. Yeah, man. Thanks, Same Bryce. You. Appreciate John you. John Bryce, footballscoop.com is where you can read his reporting, which, uh, again, he's updating things uh, just like uh, Trey would be doing with all the news that's following. It's amazing how quickly this gets this spreads to like the different layers, Chad, as the sports media and, and quite frankly, fans on message boards start digging and digging and digging. This is next level that we're getting into right now. We're going to discuss more about it a little bit later, maybe to end the show. Yeah. We're getting into now tinkering with the world and not just being a secret agent for yourself. This is like American intelligence going into other countries and setting up shadow governments. Michigan is affecting all of college football if these allegations yeah. are true, and they should be able to prove it if they've got the hard drives. One big thing on every NFL game is next on Hot Mike with Edna Withrow.